So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows, updated with linky links to Tiki Tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream.
That is the beautiful Andy Starr with uh, The World Will Follow. Gorgeous voice, gorgeous lyrics. Uh, one of my favorite songs of my pile of fabulous songs we have here. Hello, everyone. Uh, okay, I, I, I said a little fib. I, I've been promoting the show as live today because I always do. And it, we just we recorded it a few hours earlier because... There's things going on and I have somewhere to be and, and other people have other places to be and things are going on in the world and we just couldn't do it live today. But we're pretending it's live. But we're live. We are a live, actually, uh, thankfully, which brings me uh, to my moment here uh, to, to speak with you today, which is I just came from a funeral. I did. And uh, which puts one in an interesting mood right before they do a podcast, uh, especially when they're going to do a podcast with a group of uh, very silly and funny friends. So, uh, but uh, what can I say? This woman who uh, was a mother of a, of a good friend of mine, and I have to say, uh, I didn't know her that well. I met her a few times, and to hear about her life. You know, you go to memorials and you hear about people's lives and you think, oh, this is kind of nice and generic or whatever. But this woman really, really knew how to live her life. She lived her life on purpose in every moment and and even died with purpose. She um, knew about a month ago she had had melanoma and she'd had it for about two years. And she knew about a month ago that there weren't going to be any more things that she was going to do to um, extend her life because she wanted quality of life. And so she went to the desert with her family and they rented a house and they spent the last three and a half weeks together at this house, swimming in the pool and laughing and playing and reminiscing. And, um, and everyone who knew her and wanted to could come and hang out with her and be with her. And she was fully conscious and aware, uh, which is, I think, all you can hope for in that kind of situation. I mean, th- this is the thing about death. We're all going to do it. But we don't like we don't like to think about that. <laughs> Even those of us who've lost some parents, uh, you think, oh, yeah, oh, they did that. But no, we're all going to do it. And uh, since we're all uh, came into the world with two parents, uh, most of us are going to deal with it with our own parents, whether we're estranged or not. I, you know, that there's that situation. But, um, and I did not 
get to do a conscious one with my mother. Uh, my mother got sick. Uh, well, she was, she was, had been sick for a while, we think. And then she got diagnosed with uh, six things on her liver. And, uh, they were giving her chemo to keep her alive for six months. And five weeks later, she was gone. And none of us sat around the house reminiscing and talking about it and doing it consciously. Uh, we did it the Carlin way, which was, um, uh, love and humor, but lots of denial. <laughs> and so it's, it's interesting because I think you do death the same way you do life. Uh, and if you're lucky, maybe you don't. I don't know. I just don't know. But, uh, this woman, I think she lived life consciously and seeing her amazing family and friends who showed up, uh, and the way they spoke, it was, it was truly inspirational. And it was inspiring because one of the things they said was, was that she did not, she died with her bucket list done, you know, and it's like, whether that's cliche or whatever, um, wow. If she wanted to do it, she went and did it. And she asked life for what she wanted. If she wanted a new, a promotion and did uh, she, uh, I mean, it was just, it was very inspiring. She got, she, she finally got her bachelor's degree two years ago. I think it was right before she was diagnosed, um, because she, uh, wanted to make sure she'd done that, you know, even though she didn't need to, but she was extremely successful in her field of, um, uh, fashion buying and managing of big department stores and things like that. So, uh, yeah, you know, I know this is kind of a down kind of subject, but hey, that's where I'm at right at this second. And yet, um, you know, we humans, we do this thing. It's called life and we move on. And, uh, so, uh, today we're gonna do, we're gonna move on in a few minutes. Uh, I was just trying to think if there was anything else going on, uh, that I needed to speak of. Oh, Dick Clark. We lost Dick Clark. Um, oh, I have a Dick Clark little story for you. Fond, fond little story. Uh, I think it was 19, guessing 70, I want to say 74, because my dad was still doing drugs. Mom hadn't gotten sober yet. Uh, dad did New Year's Rock and Eve, and they tape it like two and a half months ahead of time, the, the party part. And they were doing it down at the Queen Mary here. And so my dad let me bring my best friend, Tom Robinson. I was a tomboy, my best friend, Tom Robinson. And we all went down and we spent like two days down there. And, you know, we stayed in the actual rooms and everything. And uh, the coolest part of the Queen Mary at the time was because I was a tomboy. I was really into corgi cars and they had a whole shop like a whole wall filled with corgi cars because it was a British ship and corgi cars are British company. And so I got like two or three really nice choice corgi cars. One was an indie kind of car and uh, another one was a James Bond car that had the little things that came out of the spikes. And the th- oh, it was very cool. Anyway, my memory of Dick Clark was uh, we and we would go. Oh, and the Pointer Sisters and Tower of Power were the music bands on the show, and my dad was doing comedy and doing some co-hosting with um, with Dick. So I remember we would go in every once in a while to kind of check out the party or what they were shooting and stuff. And I remember walking around a corner and seeing my dad and Dick snort cocaine together. <laughs> myself because Dick looks so square. I thought, wow, he does that too. You just never know who does that kind of stuff. But it was New Year's Eve, you know, and on New Year's Eve, you do all sorts of crazy things, right? Even if it was October 15th, but whatever. Uh, but the Pointer Sisters were very cool, had cool outfits. And uh, the Tower of Power, of course, was the Tower of Power. Hello. So uh, rest in peace, Dick. I hope you're up there hanging out in the uh, the big electron with my dad, um, swapping good stories. Um, dad, you know, talking about boogie woogie and 
and uh, and maybe you get to do blow in the afterlife. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, you know, this this could be a possibility. This is uh, could really be a possibility. Anyway, uh, we're going to play another song here, and then when we come back, we're going to have the octagon table discussion uh, commence. We used to have to use a big word like that, commence. Uh, and uh, so we're going to do that. And uh, hmm, what song do I want to play here? I'm going to play... I know what I'm going to play. I'm going to play a little, uh, it's too long. Uh, I'll play a shorter one. I'm going to play a silly song, uh, by a lovely woman named, uh, Tracy Newman, who sings and plays and writes wonderful little songs. Um, it's, uh, Fire Up the Weed. Relationship works because we never talk Except for make me some eggs Bacon and toast And aren't you gonna wear socks To be honest and true What I like about you Is that you're always high You don't care if Get out of the house And neither do I This must be the way we want it This must be what we need I'll make the martinis And you fire up the weed To how we began And that's what silences me You were with someone else I snatched you up for myself Like the last piece of meat Not that you didn't Jump at the chance Old dog that you are said get in the car this must be the way we want it this must be what we need I'll make the martinis and you fire up the weed I think the talking things through is overrated I'd rather be blue and medicated It took a few years And buckets of tears For me to understand Why your ex never once Even complained When I took her man She was patiently waiting For a sucker like me To come on to the scene I did her a favor And she'll be through 
Fabulous Tracy Newman. Uh, check out all of her stuff at tracynewman.com, I do believe. She plays a lot of shows around LA and uh, writes lots of fabulous, uh, funny songs, uh, generally a little quirky. She's a little quirky, that one. She's one of the original uh, members, or practically, I think, founders of the Groundlings, which uh, the Groundlings basically. Uh, is the birthing spawn center of many SNL players and uh, mad TV and folk like that. So today, very exciting. Uh, I've got some people in the house here. We've got the octagon table all lined up here. The octagon table is actually the poker table that all of our equipment and microphones are on. Uh, one day we'll actually play poker when we do this, but it, I think it would be a little boring for you people. But Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, so today I have starting on my left, Chris Bono. Bono. He's gonna, actually you were going to change your name. Well, no, you, I'm going to keep it Bono just to keep confusing people. Okay, yeah. So, so because I was born with it. Yeah, that would be nice of you to do I, that. Is that a song? Is that a song? Born with it? Oh, burnt that anyway. Born to born this way. Dance this way. So, hi, Kelly. Hi, Chris. Chris, as everyone knows, is has been on the Octagon table before. Last month you were here. Chris is a comedian, a painter, and uh, is also uh, getting certified as a helicopter pilot, I heard. <laughs> yeah, we're up over the 405, and uh, it seems like, why does he have an NPR voice? But suddenly, I think this is my power voice, by the way. Just this is it? The joke. power voice? The power voice is this person who seems to always wear a suit, sit very much into a deep chair, leather chair. I think you need a thin cigarette when you use that no, voice. Oh, yes, maybe. maybe. That could be a good idea. One, yeah. Susan! <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Mr. Bono's left is uh, Dylan Brody. I'll be playing the part of Dylan Brody. Thank you. And Dylan dressed today for the for the for the podcast. He's he's sporting a new outfit. I'm trying out a new look for radio. Yes, and it's doing very very nicely job here. In the thank end. you. He's wearing a lovely vest. Thank you. Which I I what is what is on that vest? Uh, uh nicely ordered paisleys. Paisleys. I but there were Schlitz malt liquor. <laughs> it's it, it's actually I have just I, I have accidentally dripped and stained my vest. Yes. In a in a an incredibly OCD manner. Yes. <laughs> Perfectly rode and patterned that dripping you do. That's correct. I uh, because when I drink coffee, mm-hmm. I do it in the voice of Chris Bono's power character. Hmm. It catches on, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Susan! Oh, Susan, would you, would you bring my voice out of my nasal cavity, please? Yes. Thank you. Mm. And then to D- Dylan's left is Chad Einbinder, who uh, is uh, a dear friend of, of mine and who's one of the people I have these parties here at my house. And if Chad's coming my way and sits next to me by 
the fire. I know that my drink will be snorting out of my nose in, within five minutes. <laughs> no pressure, Chad. <laughs> Welcome to the Octagon Table, Chad. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled you're here today. I'm happy to be here. You are in your fine ACDC t-shirt. Thank you. Your, your finest. Chad's got big news this week. He and his wife, Lorraine, uh, have a puppy in the house. <laughs> see, see, and the irony of this is that Chad and Lorraine have basically their, their two daughters, beautiful, lovely daughters, have reached of age where they're going to be jumping from the nest and flying soon. Uh, oh, one of, out of the nest. One, one of them already has. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and yet, no, they decide that, the that they're taking on a puppy now after yeah. that. Yeah. Well, when you say decide, that <laughs> kind of denotes that there were two people in a conversation <laughs> trading and sharing factoids, you know. Conversing, going back and forth, making an informed decision, but that didn't happen here. No, of course not. Maybe next week it'll be marriage counseling with Lorraine and Chad. Lord Buckley, sweet lips, greatest of all Dane, much the dinosaur slaying dog, was introduced to me at the moment that we owned him. Really? Yeah, my wife came in from a walk with Sir Corin, the beautiful dog-faced dog, Brindle Beast of Silmar, and she sort of leaned in and said, uh, Dylan? And I said, yeah, and I already knew. Yeah. And then bounding in came this big, shiny black beast that we had never discussed and had met her on her walk. Were those two dogs that you mentioned? Those are, they, they believe that. Those names yeah, were just those, only two dogs. Two dogs. Yeah. Them, are their tags acronyms? <laughs> I, no. Uh, they, Phonetically done. They can't actually stand up when they wear their tags. <laughs> uh, they're Corwin and Buckley. Corwin Sir and Corwin Buckley. and Lord uh, Buckley. Yeah. Yes. 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 So, uh, yeah, I, I like when he sings the, the first ones. Oh, yes. Lord, the, the Lord Buckley one. Just the end. The just, end just the is end. Sung. The yeah. end is sung. The dinosaur yeah. is slaying yeah. dog. Dog, yeah. He's like a superhero. Yeah, he has a theme song as part of his name. Uh, I want a theme song as part of my name. Kelly yeah, no. <laughs> Everybody loves her. <laughs> you should have seen the look on these three gentlemen. We were all writing in our heads at the, the same pressure time. pressure was on. And if you ever need a theme song, just in a pinch and instant, uh-huh. always go with the, the musical uh, lyric track from the commercial Charlie. You know, da 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 da, Kelly. Yeah. You just put up some words and end with Kelly. Wow, I just yeah. having a vision of that but commercial. Because now. we live in Hollywood, you have to actually hire Bobby Short to sing it for you. Oh, okay. I think it's better well, if you one impediment to using that song. Something, yeah. something that gets the name in the head. <laughs> you know, Kelly, 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 Kelly. There is the Cheers Kelly song. From the Cheers. Ooh, I want to hear it. Kelly, oh, the, he, uh, um, uh, the, uh, um, I don't remember a song Kelly, that went like that. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. Yeah, he was in love Kelly, with, Kelly, uh, Kelly. this girl Kelly, and so he wrote the song for her, and it was Kelly, all just the word. Kelly, 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 Kelly. And every once in a while, someone will meet me and they'll sing the Kelly song to me. Kelly, Kelly. Just like my friend Luke always gets Luke, you know, he always gets that. <laughs> Poor Luke. <laughs> <laughs> So today's uh, and uh, and there will be a fourth member joining us, but she's out auditioning. Whatever, like Is she's that trying what to they get... call it these days. <laughs> <laughs> Code. We're talking about Aaron Brown, right? We're talking about the fabulous Aaron Brown like, on the she red needs carpet. To audition for anything? I know. She's just be getting the call. Doesn't she just walk in we the room and they go, "Yes, yeah. my God, of course." Well, isn't that the case for all of us? I mm. would believe so. I think so. Well, 20 pounds ago, yes. Uh, no, there's a new place for the new you. <laughs> now, you know what? I haven't auditioned in, uh, I think I auditioned twice in my life for something. 
Joking. Spit takes and electronics on our next episode. Yeah, that's not good. That's not too good. That's right. And I, the the first time I auditioned was for Oliver. It was a musical uh, camp at a nice little Christian thing down the street in the Palisades mm. when I was a kid. And I got in the chorus. I was very happy. So I spent the next six weeks in rehearsals. And I really should have gone into musical comedy and music musicals because it, it was the joy, bliss of my life. Lay mm. something on us, Kelly. What do you got? Food, glorious food, hot sausage and mustard. Anyway, and then the second time I auditioned, I decided I was going to become an actress in my 20s and, you know, an ingenue. But although I wasn't an ingenue type, I was the, you know, I wanted to be the Lily Tomlin, the Lucille Ball, the Carol Burnett type, but I didn't know what to call that or how you did that. So you just Mrs. became... Mrs. Personality. Yes, Mrs. Personality. But I was, you know, a cute little look to me, but I was not the ingenue type. So I don't was, know. Was, was. Oh, thank you. And uh, I... I so, somehow I got an audition. Somebody s- lined up something for me for some B movie kind of thing. And I walked in to this cast, huge cattle call casting thing. And every single girl was like bimbo on steroids. Bimbo, bimbo, bimbo. And I am. Do, do steroids help with bimbo ness? I don't really? know. Just writing that down bimbo on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> and and I immediately thought. A, I've been a tomboy my whole life. I don't do bimbo, and and I don't know even how to audition. I don't know what I'm doing, and uh, it it didn't go well. And that was the last time I the auditioned? last audition I went on was the day that I got the scar on my nose. I auditioned for Moonlighting. Uh, I auditioned for the role of Sign Here, Please, <laughs> and I landed the role of Will That Be All, Sir? Nice. I've gone on YouTube to look for that. <laughs> I don't think no? you can find it, but you're Obama welcome to didn't try. trim it out and put it on the page. <laughs> it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me, but I don't. I don't think it's there. Right. Susan and Susan, look <laughs> for that clip of Dylan, would you? And and Chad, you direct things, so you're on the other side of the table of auditions yes. at times. Yes. What's that like? Because this is we're already the, the topic today is actually power, and so this I think is a great way to start because auditions there is a huge power differential, or is there? I think we could discuss. So. Normally, the people who sit on the other side of the table where you would sit, Chad, we feel like you and you do have the power to hire or fire. What What's that like? Well, honestly, the power is not does not come into the audition process. The power is before when you're trying to become the director of the project. Right. And during the period after all the actors have left, when you have to try to guide the other decision makers mm. to the right decision. Mm-hmm. So it's a facilitation. Uh, the way I approach it is the audition process is more about facilitating and being more of a, a conduit for whatever the actors bring in and helping them when they need help. Right. And leaving them the F alone when they don't. Wow. So, that, I mean, not to kind of that, a, that a, sounds human. it. Well, you know, the, the goal. You're a human, Chad. The goal is the best person yeah. for the role. Right. I mean, look, if we're, if we're talking about celebrities and, and packaging and all that, that's a different thing. But right, right, talking right. For what I do, which is commercial directing mostly, commercial and web stuff, it, for me, it's, you know, there's a, there's a, another entity in there, which is the product. Yes. And the client. Mm-hmm. And if it were about power, uh, that would probably not be as successful a process if my goal is to right. get hired again. So, uh, right, because you're, you're serving the whole yeah, thing at, yeah. at that point. Right. But there is power. There's power that, that you have to assert or display or however, you know, you have to show that you have 
under the general power of, you know, you understand what you're doing, you understand the medium, yep, you understand yep. what you're trying to sell in yeah, that case. Yeah. And at the end where they're like, you know, I like the one that was on steroids. <laughs> the like, bimbo yes, on steroids. She doesn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dialogue spot. <laughs> yeah. So that's where you want to have uh, the ability to be persuasive. Yes. Use the power of persuasion. The power of persuasion. Yeah. In, in the case of auditions, I think the, the power dynamic has a lot to do with people giving up power. I think actors, particularly hmm. in, in Hollywood, more than in New York to some degree, I think, uh, actors are – all, all the talent in, in Hollywood is walking around looking for someone to give them permission to have a career. Mm-hmm. And they haven't figured out that it's up to them to do what they do and, and find their way. So there's this sense of a power dynamic that the director doesn't necessarily feel. And the director feels this sense of desperation oozing off of some people and, uh, and the sense of confidence coming from others. But they're not aware that the the actor is just walking in going oh you have my future in your hands please 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 this. solve my problem i right, need right. this yes <laughs> and and that's such a rotten place to be as a performer oh it's awful it, it's the worst i mean because literally you are giving your power away and and yet i, I remember i studied with jeffrey tambor uh about a year and he he really was at the uh, beverly hills playhouse no at the santa monica playhouse actually uh he was down there and uh he would talk about how you walk into an audition and your attitude is hello my name is kelly carlin and this is how i do this this is how i do this and it is that thing about understanding that you do have the power, that it's it's what you do, that no, that person who's coming in after me is going to do it differently, but here's how I do it. And your job is to show up and show that. And your job is never, ever, ever to show up with your hat in your hand, as he used to say. In, in New York, there are power games that go on uh, in the waiting room between mm. actors. And my dad was an acting teacher for many, many years, and he had a student come in just thrilled with himself at one point because he had been being just screwed over time and again by people playing head games in the, in the outer room. And he'd been in for an audition and uh, the person next to him had said, uh, do you mind if I go ahead of you? Uh, cause I have, I have a couple of auditions coming up this afternoon. I have to, I have to be there for them. And, and instead of feeling as though, Oh, he's got a bigger career than I am. I have to let him go first. I said, Oh really? What are you auditioning for? And he goes, well, I got this commercial for Volkswagen that I'm going to audition for. And then there's a, a show that I want to be in. And he said, okay, yeah, no, I'm not going to let you go first. I also have auditions this afternoon. And the other guy said, well, what are you auditioning for? He said, I, I don't like to tell anyone. I'm very superstitious. And just let that hang in the air before he went in. Nice. Classic rat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm guessing, uh, Chris, that, um, yes. that, that that move that that student did in the, um, the, audition, uh, the, uh, the outer room of the audition – is found in this book that Chris bought today because I'm not brought brought to the to the to the I've discussion. I've had it for 14 years. And and uh, is this the book? And what's the full title of the book? The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. It's printed by Evil Encapsulated Incorporated, <laughs> a publishing company that you can only find through magic. Give us a little taste of just. <laughs> And by magic, it means the dark arts. Yes, the dark, the dark arts. Yes, draw uh, a pentagram and then place your order. 
<laughs> Minions are standing by. <laughs> Let's see if we can randomly find Let's, that. Right, randomly find that. What what would that oh, law no, be? Now. Okay. What would that law? Well, what was I, now? I'm looking. What okay. Would, just just open to the. Front. Well, we'll find uh, a little tidbit. <laughs> My wasp. I like glasses. it when you do physical shtick on the radio. <laughs> on the radio. That's oh, just the, to keep the, the, the fabulous going. Aaron Brown is joining us in a second. But, but go this ahead, is Chris. perfect. Authority. Use absence to create respect and esteem. If presence diminishes fame, absence augments it. Very you know, that fits with the absence of information. Yes, That's it right. does. This you know, book had, is I fascinating. Had a, I had a straight job, which is not to say that all my other jobs were gay. <laughs> It's, uh, and if they were, there's nothing wrong with that. I remember those, Chad. And I had a boss who told me that when he's in a meeting with people that he felt had more power superior, uh-huh. he would measure his uh, ability to start gaining some of the power in the room by being silent. Mm-hmm. And he would measure it for every 10 minutes he didn't say anything. He felt his IQ collectively went up by 15 points. I bet it did. Yeah. <laughs> Which would make some of us here blithering idiots. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, it was such a, it was such a trip the way this guy saw everything in these powers, you know, these meetings and yeah. post production. See, this is the thing. I think thing. some people think about the power dynamic in a room all the time. The fabulous Aaron Brown has Hi. just walked in. Hi, Aaron. Aaron. Silence is power. And, and we're just, I'll, I'll we're, be tongue tied for the next wow. seven to 12 minutes. And, 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 <laughs> it sounded like something from the Hunger Games that was like a voiceover from the Hunger Games. Yes, I'm from the District Methane. Silence You've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and we were actually talking about, we started talking about, uh, auditioning because we, we talked about how you were at an audition and, um, the power, the power differential at auditions, you know. So now we're talking about generally, like in a room, you know, people, people who want to play, uh, who want to play with power, think about these differentials, think about these mm-hmm. things. I don't think I would, I don't think it's ever, ever, ever crossed my mind in a million years. Except to feel it maybe in my body when I'm in a room with someone who's trying to like kind of push their power around. I've never thought about, okay, how do I get the more power now? How do I do that? Well, and- Kelly, you perhaps need the book, The 48 Laws of Power. <laughs> by Satan. <laughs> by, sa- by Satan. Satan. Uh, 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 this is a strange thing. I'm going to give. I'm going to give Dylan a direction. Do I Dylan, need to move the microphone? No, behind you, it, way over there across the room is a big pillow that's got beans in it, and it's kind of like a uh, bean bag chair thing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to use it as an actual weight here because like the, a sandbag. Because I'm, I'm letting you people in behind the scenes here. One of our microphones keeps. Uh, actually, uh, I think the red one is going to be more beanier. It's going to be more beanier. Yeah, that one's more beanier. There you go. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I've I've made up the name Bean Ear. Perfect. Okay, power see, of pillows. you just entered into our power zone of the magic of radio. We let you in to the magic, and now there's a little less magic here in the room because there's you know what's going on. Behind the curtain, don't open. <laughs> so, do, did you guys don't think think about power in the room? Do you? I was unaware of a lot of the dynamics of male power. And was a victim of a lot of the dynamics of male power, but unaware of it until I started studying martial arts. Ah. Because as a bullied kid, I believed I was powerless. Mm-hmm. And I used to give away all of my work for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if people – I was, I was, I, I was uh, convinced at some level that if a producer did not like me, uh, if I did not give him my work to make him like me, then he would beat me up in the parking lot on the way home from school. Wow. Just and at some yeah. really a, unconscious a level. A blowjob is so much quicker. I, <laughs> I find. I mean, in my experience. I'm a pretty fast writer. Um, but uh, and, w- Hence why you're successful and I have TMJ. 
that, isn't that the, the show with Harvey Levin on it? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, um, Speaking of blowjobs. <laughs> uh, and now he'll stalk us. <laughs> Excellent. And, and, that would do and great that, for our career. Uh, which would be kind of good. That's and exercise of power, TMZ. which would be good for Dylan. Stop following me. <laughs> get on Blow some job. radar. That's how I, I, Maybe my goals aren't set clearly enough. <laughs> I just want to get on some radar. <laughs> Chris, I see you more as a guy getting a blowjob while writing. God, uh, yeah. that's my idea. That's, that's the, the, that is the goal. That's the, that's the one person show he's been presenting. He, he brings someone up from the audience as a volunteer. One man show. <laughs> With a helper. Next. Yeah, technically, is that a two man show? But it's a volunteer from the audience. So it doesn't, <laughs> Susan! Please. Susan, Susan hates the rehearsal process. <laughs> again? You need to do this again? Oh, okay, back to it from the top of my penis. <laughs> power. Well, the casting couch. I mean, you know, this is what we're talking about. And, uh, you know, the girl does have the power in that place, you know? I mean, the if she. The girl has the power. <laughs> and Aaron, what did you, if you may say, I mean, yeah, you're not under an NDA. Oh, right? Because they make you sign Sometimes them. Sometimes the, the people at Apple make you sign them. Yeah. <laughs> Even when you're just an downloading NDA. a song. Right. Yeah, it was, uh, it was for Toyota. What's it? A young mom. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you talk about your car? Did you just point no, to No, we were driving the kids uh home from an amusement park and we were looking for a fish restaurant mm-hmm. and the the GPS was wrong and we pulled up to a pet shop. Oh no. And then the kids started crying because they thought we were gonna eat puppies for dinner. Oh, <laughs> I said we're not in China. And please don't say I think puppies. I probably booked it because of that. That's the new Toyota Cialis, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> You know, I was always happy that I wasn't born a boy because I always watched the power dynamics between boys and the whole having to fight thing. And I was always happy that I didn't have to deal with that whole machissimo, who's got the power, who's the boy, who's the who's the man. And uh, I'm thrilled that I just had to do the the girl power thing, which is... I think a little less complicated. It could be just as evil, but now what about that? That Gee, like that, that yeah. thread to the right or left of with girl power that involves what some people, um, guys, and I think women see it as kind of that caddy behind the back talking. Yeah, so I think clicky, y- clicky. Yeah, and I think that is how girls queen uh, bees manifest. and wannabes, yeah. queen bees and wannabes. Do you ever read that? You ever read that book? No, no. I, I haven't. Yeah, well, no. having raised two young female of the species. Yes, and when I say raise, I mean basically hiding and paying for things. Uh, uh, you know, because I know you're the wordsmith, but there's a definition, I think, specifically for how I raise a child. Um, but there, I think historically what Kelly is talking about used to be true, but now, I mean, all the videos, this will quickly remind you of the girls getting another girl to come over and then 10 girls beating the snot out of her. Yeah. You know, that along the lines of maybe the Mad Men, you know, the the arc of 50s, 60s into like women's rights, even though we still have the ERA issue and all that. Yep. But as women become more, more, uh, uh, you know, masculine or, or assuming some of the roles that were patriarchal. traditionally patriarchal. Thank right. you. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, hey, guess what? They get violent too. Yeah, that's true. I actually, I, I was really glad I went to private school because I imagine that if I went to public school that I would, that Linda Blair scene and that horrible <laughs> B movie would, okay. would happen. <laughs> I went to Mexico when I was, when you I went was to a young, school called Mexico. When I was younger, my, my father took me on a, a fishing trip with my cousins and so we're in Mexico and I went to one of their grocery stores. They had 
the the largest novel is like series of novels on that scene based on that scene. What? Like that there were wow. one after the other with that <gasps> character. <gasps> From that TV movie. Oh my god! Yes, I know. It's horrible. I had never seen that before, and it was they were all in Spanish. They all had a something, a woman that looked like Linda Blair in various prison moments throughout, like and on a whole series of books. It was like, oh, I wish I had them now. Wow. uh, We're talking about Caged Heat. No, I don't know what it was. She was she was imprisoned in a juvie, juvenile detention center, (laughs) and the girls uh, jumped her and raped her with a broom. Wow. Yeah. It was a TV movie, too. Push broom? Or, <laughs> or one of those Swiffers? Because I think there's a difference. I think I think I auditioned for that one. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess women women can be as scary as guys. But I I, I never faced the fisticuffs things. There, I, I, I don't know how you boys did that. There's a weird that. generational thing, too. Because there, there are uh, girls and young women at the Taekwondo studio who have no difficulty kicking ass mm. and wearing glittery eyeliner at the same time. <laughs> right, I, right. And it's just, Boys? that's hot. What? Boys? No with girls. No the, the, no, the women, ah, girls ah. and young women. Uh, the, the boys, there's still a level of homophobia, uh, in the young men there. That mm. I, uh, so that, I, like, the touching of the other guy is a kind that of... That you like, enjoy immensely. I, I, you know what? I, just, I try to correct it as best. You know, they're calling each other fags uh, and all yeah, that, that shit. That thing, and yeah. then there are also clearly gay young men who are being mm. very quiet in the back of the room at those moments. And I just want to uh, do my best to step in gosh. and say, hey, hey, hey. That just reminds me of the song. Touch me in the morning. <laughs> Do you know that Chris and I used to be roommates? Mm. And just walk away. Did Were he you sing opening that, number? Did he one sing that show? song to you every morning? Only uh. when I touched him. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, I'd like to run the touch me in the morning piece. Again? Bring in your pillow. That's how Dylan Do you got have the one rent. that's heavier and beanier? That's how, rent, <laughs> that's how Dylan got the rent from me. So, um, uh, one of the things I want to talk about, uh, we're talking about personal power here, obviously, and the power in the room and power of Hollywood and all of that. But, um, I wanted to get a little bit into, not, not too crazy, but a little bit into the fact that our government has three branches of government to keep a balance of power. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, that's hilarious. And I guess that answers my question. How do you think that's going? So uh, I have a nice quote here uh, <clears throat> from Ronald Reagan. It says, uh, concentrated power has always been the enemy of liberty. Interesting, isn't that? I know. Whereas concentrated detergent seems to go a lot longer. <laughs> it does. <And> concentrated <laughs> juice gets it, me up in the morning. Concentrated juice? Yeah. <laughs> oh, seriously. I, love that. I can't bad. believe it. Seriously. <laughs> oh, no. We're at a pet store. Again with the pets. <laughs> And uh, that pet store story made me hungry. Wow, gerbils? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> They're crunchy. Well, yeah, that's if you only fry them whole, though. I, I didn't know oh. we had craft services Gee, here. My my so nice. my pita sponsors are going away right now. Totally. <laughs> so so this whole power thing in the government. Um, I was just on a show yesterday. Uh, yes, I'm plugging. Uh, called the point, and we were talking about the Supreme Court. 
Just so you'll know, you want to plug shows before you're on them. Yeah, and it'll be actually be played <laughs> next Thursday. Oh, okay. I, I and then on. you can look at it anytime. <laughs> anytime you want. On the right? internet. Yeah, on the intronet. On the intronet. Yeah. Uh, and they were talking about the Supreme Court and, uh, the, the, you know, how really as a president nowadays, if you want your power to extend, you nominate Supreme Court justices and other justices too, of course. And um, we were talking about the uh, judiciary activism thing. Look at this. I do with my fingers when I don't know the words. And uh, what she's <clears throat> doing is bending them backwards at an angle and putting them together like a Swedish puzzle. <laughs> I don't know if I can Much even in the how cadence to... of the bouncing ball you followed during Sesame Street <laughs> when the songs would play. Continue. Thank you. And uh, this is television for the blind. <laughs> Welcome she to moves NPR. quietly toward the dresser. She opens the drawer. <laughs> she pushes the she pushes the voter lever 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 lever. Wow, lever. you should see what she does with her fingers when she can't find the word. <laughs> so, um, I just want to talk a little bit about politics. That'd be so mean if the TV for the blind did that. You should see what she's doing now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you would not. Bu- no, really? She's not. No, she is. Tonight on TV for the Blind, 2001. <laughs> oh, a long, duh, interesting light sequence. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Jimmy. I'm sorry. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, you know, so uh, ha- these days, with all of the quibbling going on in our government, uh, well, who's got the power? What's what's going on? Do the, do the people have the power anymore? Is it just these? Is it just the Republicans anymore, who are saying no? As if they ever did. Well, I I guess. Oh, well, let's start there then. I I think as has always been the case uh, in our country, the big moneyed interests retain the power. I think all the quibbling that we see as if it is something new is an extension of what has gone on since the very founding of the nation which is keeping us arguing within a very narrow spectrum over something that has nothing to do with where the power lies. Now, do you think that is true even like, you know, uh, during the founding, actual, you know, John Adams and Jefferson and all those people? Even were, when they put together the Electoral College and okay. decided who got to vote and who didn't? And yes. said that moneyed landholders got to vote and therefore everyone was equal? Yes. During that period? That period. Yeah, no, I think it's been there from the beginning. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so the power has been in the hands of the money. Yes. It still is. Yes. And um, here's my question about that always is here's these people with all the money and all the power and they keep whittling away at what how much uh, how many rights we have as citizens, the power we have to shape our future, things like that. H- how is that going to help them in the long run? Uh, that, I, that I don't understand. I mean, if we're all going to be poor and sick and dying, how does that help the people? I think, I think it's purely habitual. I think, uh-huh. I think power and money just continues to do that because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And it never occurs to them that it's not better for them or better for the whole. But well, it's, again, it's so funny how this, by the way, none of this will help you during the audition process. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. But it's funny how, how much it, it parallels you, how much this, this subject parallels what we were talking about in the audition process in that it depends on what your goal is. You know, the use of power is directly related to you as a catalyst. Mm. There's only really two powers in, in, in the universe. As opposed as I to you as it. a cattle. You have the power to create and the power to destroy. Mm. The catalyst that comes in the form of an action, reaction, or interaction is, is us as humans. 
So uh, what do I mean by that? If your goal in this political example is to have two classes of people, the money, you know, the, the, the barons, the lords, and right. then the other class is all of us down serfs, here at the bottom. Right. Then you're going to assert power like you were, def- you were laying it out there along mm-hmm. the way of the process. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to manipulate it because you have a goal. So you want to insert that power. Right. Right. I, the thing Dylan said about the founders, I thought was, was fascinating because I, I give the founders a lot of credit and I also give them a big pass. Mm-hmm. They made a lot of mistakes. You know, the Washington had slaves. We all know all the, the, <clears throat> the, the you know, the, the, the cultural, where they failed. Yes. But for what they knew at the time, right. for them to set up what we've completely fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> or continuing to fuck up was amazing. I, I, I believe that amazing. they did have some ideals about, about yeah. what they tried to set up and they had some, some clear vision of, of, of a utopian idea of it. I right. think at the time of the Declaration of Independence, they did. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they were writing up the Constitution, it had already begun to, to get. Because people were already uh, saying, oh, we can't let women vote. Because women then, well, oh, we can't let this vote. If, yeah. you, if you look at it, the Declaration of Independence says life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Yes. The Constitution says life, liberty, and property. Yeah. Right. So the, the, the shift had already uh, been made. Yeah, yeah. We're not dealing with humanity yeah. and a, a human feeling. We're dealing with ownership and possession. I believe that capitalism grew out of feudalism. Uh-huh. And left unregulated, it returns to feudalism. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I, I, think, I think we're kind of seeing it. And yeah. I, yeah. We're seeing and it now. Yes. Where before it was like, well. It could happen. You know, to, to bring it back to what I was saying, it's like before it was like, well, we're just all going to wait and see how this grand experiment, as Kennedy defined it, will happen. Yes. And somebody got impatient on the power side, on the money side, and went, you know what? Uh, Citizens United will give corporations or people to and will give speech to an entity. And guess what? Nobody's willing to wait to see if the people will rise up and vote and be active yeah. and go from 2% uh, well, voter it's over and to over again 50%. with the, the railroad strikes, with the miners' strikes, with the the uh, manufacturing strikes in the at uh, the turn of the the, the previous the turn of the century. century. Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps happening. And what goes on is that unregulated capitalism starts to return to feudalism. Yep. And then uh, enough concessions are made so that we can return to the system where it's not two classes. And they're, right. And it's, it's a right, middle class. A correction, a correction, there's a balance. It's a middle class right. that is designed to be uh, just self-involved enough right. and just angry enough at the poor to protect the barons <laughs> and the lords. Right. There are actually tons and tons of lower middle class people all over the country who believe the reason they don't have any money is not that it's all concentrated in the hands of the wealthy. It's that poor people are given food stamps. Yep, it's right. so true. Yep. So the, all the anger is directed downward. And and think, then as soon as you start, historical. as soon as you start to push anger yeah, upward, they say, historical. "Oh, it's envy, it's envy." Well, and I think there is a cyclical nature to this, and I'm interested to see what we do as a country in the next like uprising part of it. You know that like, how are we going to bring the balance back to the middle class? And see that that presupposes there will be that cyclical well, thing. That, I think I think both of you are right. The cyclical thing has been there. There's been a correction, even though it's not a real correction. Yeah. But I think that Citizens United completely changed the game in a, in a most it, yes. profound way. Yes. So this is there great. There may not be a so correction. So this is a great example. So the Supreme Court in this case had all the power to, to, to you know, if, if obviously all the influence came and, and focused on this one uh, case and it landed in the Supreme Court, they had the power to do this, which they did. How do, is it going to take? Um, torches and pitchforks or internet tweets uh, to wrestle power 
back from this decision and to to create something else that it can make it overturn at some point or I'm just so I, baffled. I, I I think we've reached the point where it can only happen through real violent revolution. Yeah, that scares me. And it's sad and it's scary and but I don't think you you cure this cancer by uh So it's like slavery. It's that yeah, kind of a cancer. It's, it's, I think it's a I think we've got one. And if it were a video game, I think we've still got one, maybe two extra men. Okay. You know? I think <laughs> the game's not over. I think when the game is over, that's what will happen. Yeah. I mean, look what happened during Rodney King. You know, right. Just, it, it, there's not much. It doesn't Boom. take much to have a flashpoint. Boom. But real change, I think we still have a shot at that. Yeah. If you know, and look, the people that walk around, and I, I did another podcast for a guy. I am so remained. tired of people walking around. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't they just walk straight or at an angle? <laughs> Who will remain nameless. <laughs> and the guy was like, I don't know about Obama. I don't know about, you know, he's like this real lefty kind of, and I'm like, wait a minute. Or, or, you know, you don't know? You know, I think that there's still an opportunity. You do. For people to, look, I, the I Electoral College of if everybody I, rose up and voted, yeah, I, you would get a result that couldn't be, you know, jury rigged and all yeah. that. But we've been, we've been deliberately split down the middle. And True. so, so solidly. The, the, but I, 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 I really believe that the, the, the two party system is a smoke and mirrors construct. Sure. Yeah. And it is designed to keep us arguing. Which it's doing a good job. Whether of, we're going to yeah. have the king of hearts or the king of spades. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we argue over which one, oh, he's too hearty or he's too spady. And no one's, well, he's too kingy. <laughs> we need a four. <laughs> we, we need a, a four of hearts. <laughs> Dennis Kucinich, I call him. We need we need right, something yeah. entirely out of that. Yeah, I, I still think you could get that. Whatever whatever each person's desire or solution would be, I don't think the that the clock has has rung twelve midnight yet. I mean, maybe I just have that hope uh, I, no, that I want to see I, I agree people rise up in a peaceful uh, way and vote. I think anything can happen at any moment. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, I've seen my life be like that. You know, I've lived my life that way, and yeah. uh, that's why I'm always like, I think, uh, what, what was it, um, Einstein, who said you cannot solve a problem with the same uh, level of thinking that created the problem. Mm. You know that there's 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 always a, a leap. You know, I, and I, I have faith that humanity still has in them. Another renaissance, another age of enlightenment, another something like that. You know, oh, I hope so. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. I think the deck has never been more stacked. To to Dylan's point, I think yeah. Citizens United. To you know what you brought up with your ju- judicial activism. Yeah. I mean, the argument I would make is that people who say like, "Oh, it doesn't matter if I vote," and you know, the electoral college and all these other arguments, it has never mattered more. Yeah. Let's say. That it's all going to end in a bright burning ball of shit, like you used to. It put will in a, in a bag. couple of billion years. Let's anyway. say, let's say, let's say <laughs> when the sun explodes. Win. If I'm going to go down, mm-hmm. I want to go down fighting the good fight. Yes, metaphorically. Yes, you know? I don't mean fighting, fighting. I mean, right. If Obama is just a, a lesser of two evils, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to vote for that lesser of two evils because Agreed. that's going to sustain more people not being. Thrown off the doles, not getting health care. And, and, and for me, if there's going to be two more seats on the Supreme Court opened True. up in the next four years, or even one, uh, way things are going, I definitely want a Democrat choosing that. You I'm know, with you on that. yeah, you know, so it's crazy. Then they get to sit there until they die. Yes, like not. What are they, I think they're allowed people, to go home or? from time to time. <laughs> Oh God! I, I need to go home. <laughs> I haven't seen my Justice dog. Justice Souter, it's not potty time. I, go back to your chair. I want to see my doggy. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly, and they're making the big decisions. Yeah. Yes, I know. And and look at look at you know uh, Justice Roberts. He's young and fit. I try not to look at Justice Roberts. <laughs> He's young and fit. That one. I want to. As I was asking on the show yesterday. I'm like, do they DNA test them? Like, do they know they have longevity in their in their uh, family tree before they uh, nominate them? Nowadays, I wonder. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt, doubt it. it. Yeah. I believe they genetically engineer them. <laughs> I, believe, I believe they are growing uh, Supreme Court GMO. justices. Oh, what what was wrong with the base pod they used on Ginsburg? Because that shit's got some scoliosis or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that woman hasn't seen the top of a counter in 40 years. Aww. I kid, I kid, Ginsburg. She's so cute. Oh, she's great. And she can hold her breath for three minutes. I don't even know what that means. Once a day, someone comes in and puts her up on top of the counter. <laughs> <laughs> By decree. And she makes spice cake with her daddy. <laughs> oh, that was such an inside joke about my solo show. You're going to have to come see it now to get it. Okay, that well, was it going to be up next. <laughs> no, that's later. That's later. That's right, later. Uh, so one of the things uh, that I love about uh, the word power is the Isley Brothers song, Fight the Power. Mm. <laughs> Just to bring it around. Um, so, uh, yes, all of that we were just talking about, how we all feel powerless against uh, these uh, habits of the government, this habit of mind, this habit of man needing, the man who wants the money and he wants the power and he's greedy. And yet there are ways in which things uh, empower us, like music and art, mm-hmm. to uh to to get in touch with something that's beyond these base greedy needs of power and yet they empower us and yet we're able to be more compassionate oh. around them uh, uh, yes all this uh, uh, the talk that you were just having regarding you know the the corporations etc and uh, the different uh, levels that we're in now quickly becoming just the poor and the rich but uh you know i think about art uh, empowering you, mm-hmm. but and, and the main shows that are on television are about are are a lot of the ones that are, people are drawn to are like Dancing with the Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. They have these shows about making art as well, and yet all the programs for those are being cut in elementary schools. Mm. You know, no more pe- right. no more recess, no more art. Right. You what know, we the have opportunity on, to be uh, to, to play, actually be, to creative. be creative or to, to use think, your imagination. Yeah. yeah. To, what we have on television does not recognize itself as art. I, I, talk, I, I may have talked on this show before about the, my, my belief that entertainment is the word people use when they don't want to take responsibility for what they're saying through their art. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't have an art commune in Los Angeles. We have an entertainment industry. Yeah. It is an industry that manufactures without a single thought about what it's saying to the world, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and within it, I mean, people, artists from all over the world come here thinking, oh, I can get my message out to the world, mistakenly believing that someone here is interested in art. So does art empower and entertainment disempower? Absolutely. Hmm. I think uh, as soon as uh, the craft that goes into art is used purely for the benefit of those who profit from commerce. it. Ah, commerce. Art commerce. Well, art right. as commerce. As commerce. Right. Art then, as right. then it loses, it not only loses its power, it disempowers the audience. But, but mm. I also feel that entertainment can at times be used. Uh, I, I think, 
I think we can't always be, you know, focused on. I'm what's not saying import- art can't be entertaining. Yes, but I'm also saying there is. There you, you is. You mean artist commerce can't be entertaining. Th- I'm not saying any art can't be entertaining. Okay. Right, but but I think there is a place for entertainment. And that, sure. and that, you know, even distraction, even though it sometimes yeah. is, is used as a distraction, distraction is important because the psyche can only take so much of this fucking crap going on in the world. Time. But yes. anytime, anytime yes. one is watching a story told, yes, one is perceiving an underlying message, whether one is aware of it or not. Very true. And making meaning out of it. Yeah, because that's what humans do. Yes. And originally it was, now I will tell you the story of today's hunt. Yes. And from this we would learn that there's a better way to go about hunting right. than the way we you had, had yesterday. Right you might have those thoughts. Yeah, you might have had the, have those thoughts as you're listening to it. Like, oh, what is it? What are you crazy? You took a left. I, I, here's exactly. what I, I would have. Well, hidden. until they brought in Behind Gorg with the, you know, yeah. saber tooth cat still attached to his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Then the lesson would ensue. Then, yeah. Exactly. And what we see over and over again on television is uh, in comedy, things should end up exactly the way they started. Yes. You may have you may have a grand plan to change your life, yes. but at the end, everything will be exactly as it was, so we can restart next for, week for a hundred episodes. Exactly. <laughs> um, Syndication. All, yes. all crime is punished. Right. Uh, police, for the most part, are ethical. Mm-hmm. And if they're not ethical, they will be redeemed within a season and <laughs> then will be ethical. Right. Um, and it's all this sort of uh, uh, support of the status quo as being completely fine. Yes. And we are inundated with that imagery. And then if you go out to theater and you see something that's even slightly different from that, people are shocked at how edgy it is because the bad guy succeeded and the good guy was killed. And what the hell did I just see? Uh, And then there's, you know, controversy. Yeah. I work on a a satirical sketch radio show Mm -hmm. and I am constantly shocked. The, the, The guy who runs the show is a lefty like me. And he wants to say things on the show. And every week he's saying to me, we can't say that. Mm. We can't say that. Mm-hmm. So the self-censorship, the fear of judgment right. leads to this level of self-censorship where nobody can say anything. Mm. So so that then plays into how we can't even stand up to the kind of the tacit power structure of just how America creates meaning and how we all create meaning in our life. That we're afraid to stand up and say – this is how I really feel, or this is how I really see it. It seems like it, like it's relegated to our own personal lives more often than not. Like in just the general public, you can like the woman you you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, took actions that gave her strength and power and helped empower others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe you know, I, I'm not saying maybe. Well, I am. Maybe that's the best we can do. I don't know. Uh, and maybe it is. You know, yeah. people try to break break, uh, break out of that. Um, but one of the things I was leading to is I saw an ad for. A cell phone that you that has higher four G. It's seven. It's eighteen G, and you can look, look at this. Whoa! Huh. And at the end of it, the, that's got to be true, by the way. Oh my God, I can't stop. I'm walking. I'm walking. I'm walking. You know, the next thing they're going to need is a little camera that comes up from the phone that <laughs> allows you to see where you're walking. Yeah, it's true. You know, um, because I buy that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the tagline at the end of it was, "If I could use my phone all day, I'd feel so. I, I would feel much more powerful." Oh, yeah. for real? Yeah, that wow. was a tag at the end, and I went, oh. Well, that was you on know. Kickstarter. I'd be sending money right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking that high pledge, like $500 idiot. That, you know, I have such a thing for the T-Mobile girl in pink. 
Oh yeah. Oh man. Is she your type? You mean the Back to the Future of Catherine Zeta no. Jones? No. <laughs> she's like Anne Hathaway. Yeah. yeah, she's a Anne Hathaway. She's not ordinarily my type, but she's done something to me. Something. I don't, I don't, yeah. Are you a T-Mobile customer? No. Oh. No. Oh. Not yet. <laughs> But not I swear to you, no, those, those <laughs> they're like porn haiku for me, these commercials. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring it but up. But you no. know what I, I was thinking? Uh, that it reminded me of let them eat cake. Yes. You let them have entertaining devices yes. that they strive for yes. that keep them uh, not paying their bills to some degree because it's a competitive thing that occurs in the social structure as well as like the, the you know keeping them keeping people more on the internet more distracted more involved and in, in, but at the same time there are people on the internet that are doing what you were talking about which is finding their power by not worrying about you know um censorship or or, or someone else telling them what to do and it seems like the industry has started going like ah, the masses are oh, going yeah. towards people that are telling the truth or really expressing themselves and then starting to give them money well yeah I, I mean i think this industry is is has imploded and they're i mean look at nbc this was you know a network that could do no wrong, and now it can can't find a, it's the next footstep to do. I mean, it just doesn't know anything. But I was thinking back what you were talking a minute ago was kind of the us versus because you said they, they, and I'm like thinking they. I always think they. Who are they? And this whole keep them divided thing, this us versus them thing. Do you think the very notion of us versus them? I do. It keeps us disempowered. That it's like as long as we as long as we as long as we cut the world up between the us and the them, <laughs> Chris is going to give us another. Yeah. Let's go to the wise book. That that you know because there's something about the we. Well, Mother Teresa we, at one point said she would not protest against war; she would protest for peace. Right, right. Uh, there's something. There's a big shift in perspective when you make it about we, we here on the planet, versus. My stuff, you know, it's that property thing you talked about earlier. You know, when it's my stuff, yeah, man, yeah. I got to get the shotgun out and stand on the porch and protect it. But if it's a we thing. Yeah, have I mentioned that capitalism grows out of feudalism and unregulated it will return? Yes, it will. And so it's all about property ultimately. You know, I, I one of the way I get out of the bed every morning. The bed. Know, the bed. Uh-huh. Um, I help in him the with that. cellar. Um, <laughs> is, uh, I, I decide that. You know, the, the only thing that George W. Bush ever said, the only word he ever said that had any validity to it was when he used the word compassion. Mm-hmm. Now he, he made it, he connected it to the most evil word on Con- the planet, which conserv- was conservatism, <laughs> which isn't about conserving water. It's about this thing we've been that, talking that about. Let me go to the top and we'll let the yeah. serfs have, you know, tried and gum, but only if they promise to swallow it when they're done. Right, right. You know, complete control of the, of the masses. But the, cons- but the compassion word, I, I couple that with capitalism. Mm. If he would have said, or if somebody who really had a brain in their head would go, I'm a capitalist, but I'm a compassionate capitalist. Yeah. That speaks to balance yeah. of power right. and of intent mm. and of action. And they voted down the Buffett rule this week. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> capitalism is at its heart the problem. Well, I, I disagree. I, I, I think, I, I think there is enlightened capitalism. I've read some great books about it, but it does take a person who and people who are willing to be in the system to think about the we well here's the thing like any other ism it is the thing on which we judge a person's worth right whether it is racism and we judge a person's worth based on their race or sexism where we judge a person's worth on their sex capitalism we judge a person's worth on their capital right and i think that is inherently unhealthy 
and we turn it inward and we judge ourselves on our cap. Well, and, and so these are all arbitrary things we do as humans to create some order in the world. And, and I think capitalism in general, I mean, no matter what, it's about I have a service or a, a something and I will exchange it with you in order f- for your service uh, of something. You know, there's, there's exchanges going on all the time, whether it's barter or through money or whatever. So that's going to happen. On the planet, there's going to be exchanges of energy and services and goods. So how do we, how do you take the the ism out of it and and make it fair? Then I mean, I, well, I, I I think I think that we're I think we're all in agreement. I I agree with Dylan on that capitalism is part of the problem, but I don't feel that anything where we go, well, there's going to be a better system and we're just going to magically put yeah, it in. Yeah, agreed. So what do you do when you're in the middle of a shitstorm? You try to find an exit and along the way, you try to take as many people with you as you can. Well, and, and I, you and know? I, you know, and I really agree that like America or what do they say? Capital or democracy is the, the best of all the systems that there is or something. I can't remember the phrase. But see, again, don't, and I think this is something that we, we've confused here in this conversation. Let's not confuse our government. I know, but with our, and yet with our economic system. Uh, and yet they are confused because I think I think of democracy as the worst political system ever invented apart from all the others. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. That, that is what I think because I think it's the, I think it is the best we can do, but it's, it takes enlightened people to 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 do right. well, it well. I, see, I don't think that's true though that that democracy is the worst apart from all the others you know every time this comes up and I start to discuss communism with people with democracy or capitalism I want to make sure which one we're talking democracy. about right now I'm talking about democracy, democracy. and okay. then I shifted to communism which is a, an economic structure not a governmental structure right. and not a proper parallel right. but uh, it 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 feeds together so just go with me for a second yeah I just, I just wasn't sure which one no yeah I, I understand it's a confusion that I uh, I brought up with my second grade teacher and was sent to the principal office over <laughs> she was comparing democracy to communism and I was saying wait 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 one's economic one's one's governmental and she said go to the principal office I was picking um, my nose when I was in I, second um, grade but in public, I feel like Dylan looked exactly like he does now when I, he was in second grade. Agreed. I, I was going to do the I was going to do the best joke, but I thought he would, <laughs> later he'd be he'd be crushed, so I wasn't going to go. There. I, you know what? It's I would I would have been fine with it until I was driving home and they, go, they all hate my vest. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, people people listening on the radio hated my vest. Um, the, I people say communism can't possibly work, right? And I say, well, all over the world, as as feudal society moved outward, it found. Communist societies all across what is now the United States. Right. There were communist structures. There were cities of Native Americans. There were cliff dwellers. There were people. But who, we were tribal. It was different. They, well, yeah, it's they, a population. They, it was an empire. They were also uh, uh, politically connected. And the, the Iroquois League of Nations was a complex political structure. Yes. And we can say it's tribal and therefore we dismiss it. No, I'm not dismissing. I'm just saying it's a different it, structure. Tribal is a different but structure. But it was. Communal and it worked. Yes. And then we killed them and then said, <laughs> well, it's never worked. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know enough about this stuff to, to put up a really cogent argument against this, but I do know also that there's something about the spirit of America, uh, of the American dream. And, uh, you know, as we know, I hold that very loosely, that term, but, but there's something about the sp- – I believe ultimately it's a, it's a balance between individualism and collectivism. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's which is, ultimately which is about what it to is. be corporatism. Yes. And that's they're the right. Problem. And that's the thing is that they're where in, you know, yes, the, it, yeah. that screws up the balance because you can't have a conversation with a corporation. At least, at least the, the collective and the individual, whether it's tribal or a democratic republic or, uh, you know, a cult, <laughs> I don't, anything. At least there's some sort of conversation to be had between those two things. And there's ultimately always a balance. I mean, we do it personally all day long. It's my needs versus the family's needs or my needs versus the society's needs. I mean, ultimately, this is what the Supreme Court in any kind of court balances is these opposites, these tensions of right. these big opposites. state or federal rights. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that's, this whole corporate thing is really – fucked us because are they an individual they're a person now but well, they're well, actually a collective well, but think, they're think i mean it. it's- think about it if mitt romney okay a, a money guy you know a very successful man a money guy a bean counter to mm-hmm. use the you know to use the, the cliche yeah the pejorative mm-hmm. cliche all of a sudden our government becomes forget the winners and losers we have through the the capitalistic you know unfair if you will natural selection there will always be winners and losers but now because corporations will be people they will have the rights and the speech and the power right. unleashed right now it becomes about the bottom line so now our government which is supposed to be for the people by the people and for the people becomes about like what's going to work right. he's a fix it guy yeah i'm a fix it guy and to fix it you know, these people have to now walk instead of taking the Yeah, they the bus. usually fire a bunch of people when they do that, right. when they go to It's bothered. fascism. And if you think capitalism sucks, try fascism. Yeah. I'm bothered by capitalism, survival of the fittish. Fittish? Fittish. Oh, the, fittish. The, the survival of the fittish. I, uh, ah, that's now that's we're back to my world. I um, like unless the fetish is vest. Dylan, I think that's your <laughs> podcast name. <laughs> survival of the fittish. Yeah. Yes. With no, Dylan Brody. No, just go fittish. And people will be like, it sounds This Dutch. week, the T-Mobile girl. <laughs> Exactly. Let's what, start. What was that? Show T-Mobile number one, girl. T-Mobile girl. T-Mobile girl. His only guest. <laughs> <laughs> ever, ever. She's not there. I just talk about her. <laughs> uh, what you were saying? But I, I don't think I don't think capitalism is about the survival of the fittest. I think um, because it, it already grows out of this purely arbitrary construct of money. Right. I mean, it's it's imaginary possessions that represent other possessions that we can then take control of because it's easier than bringing 25 goats to to the market so i can buy a carton of milk yeah. Well, that's because nobody knows how to handle goats anymore. Next week, the survival of the fetish. It's <laughs> allergic yeah, to for goats. For me, it's less about losing our, our, our current structure as opposed to, again, you're in the middle of this structure. How do you at least maintain the fact that, yeah, a lot of people are going to lose, but less will lose? I mean, I guess I'm just a realist in the sense of, you know, I, I, I don't want revolution. I want solutions. Here's- and if ultimately we get to Dylan's solution where, right. comrade... Comrade Logan. I, I, you know, I look really cute in the little jackets. I, I just want to say, do. you know, you can do stuff with scarves and stuff and little hats and little, I mean, did we have to do the red star? Like, can we do a, like a blue star maybe or red, white and blue star? Yes. Okay, good. I um, want to dress just like you, just like or you. I'll be shot. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I ultimately think we're completely powerless because I believe we're all going to die in the end. 
And, uh, who know, and I, I believe that actually the viruses are going to get us. So the viruses are going to come on the planet and are going to knock out God, like they were great. They a, a good, Coachella, by the way, they were amazing. <laughs> so good. They opened for Florence. Wait, I think the wait, only power the we hologram? had. hologram? Did they have the hologram? Is yeah, that the viruses? It was viruses? an amoeba though. It was a hologram of an amoeba. Wow. Yeah. And they only made it with, they only had 60 bucks to make it. Wow. <laughs> 60 bucks. <laughs> yeah. So it was a little. You, you really think ish. that, that, uh, it was very small. I think, I think. It was a flip book. I yeah. think, <laughs> I, I really do believe that the planet is like, it's um you know i don't believe in like the woo woo planet's got intelligence but i believe the system of the planet this this life force system that's happened on this planet it will i mean it's all about homeostasis for the planet it's out of whack right now it knows not it it doesn't there's no it but in some ways there is some sort of understanding just like your body has an intelligence to it and i think it is going to try to balance itself out i think this species is going to suffer a lot and i think it'll be good for the species because i think if 70% of the species goes away i think then that the the species has a fighting chance ultimately and it'll be able to rebuild and i'm just hoping it doesn't happen in the next you know 20 25 years while i'm here because <laughs> in the words of stephen colbert <laughs> in the words of stephen colbert what doesn't kill you makes you stronger except polio <laughs> Right, exactly. So I think ultimately, you know, all this talk of the government and systems and capitalism and everything, in the end, I, you know, God bless my dad. I think she's going to shake us off like a bad set of fleas and uh, everything will be back to some sort of interesting homeostasis and there'll be a couple of new species and a couple of other ones that don't work and uh, maybe a nice new plant species will you come know, up. It, and it, it, we, we actually, I, I totally agree, but it goes back to, you know, it's a downward spiral right. according to or, what you're or, saying. Or not. Maybe it's a whole different level, but, but it, what do you someone's going to suffer in the meantime. the spiral. Right. That, that's really... Be yeah. kind to others, I think. You know, I think... But in a, you know, in a feudal society, right? You're going to have people... <laughs> Take, like trying to take power and like it, Burning Man, right? Burning Man, they tried they tried barter and like you know yeah, they did dress like apocalyptic characters. Yes, yes. You know, like the world's over, man. You need a massage. Uh, you got any water? <laughs> so you're, you're saying that the future trading. holds cosplay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But you brought up a good point about compassion. You know, I think that's huge. And I, I think if the education system was a little bit better and they instilled that in kids and if the government woke up and realized that teachers are the most underpaid profession and mm-hmm. you know and cops and all that so stuff. but 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 really i think ultimately who needs to wake up is we need to wake mm-hmm. up we need to every day understand that we are empowered on some level you we really that, are you said something yeah. a minute ago that struck a chord in me because you said that we are all powerless and we are all going to die mm-hmm. a d flat by the way for those of you playing at home and <laughs> <laughs> And it seems to me that if that's the case, yes, then the social and cultural taboo against suicide is the ultimate uh, yes. disempowering uh, that's why function Jack, we have. I think, yeah, I think Jack Kevorkian in some way is a hero. Boy, Absolutely. I, can just, I can't wait to direct one of those suicide spots. <laughs> I can't wait to audition for one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Tired of paying your bills. Hey, Wake this up. isn't a pet store. Call one eight hundred suicide. I love that suicide girl, you know, in pink. She is the hottest. I mean, I can't get her out of my head. She's Kill still around. Now, if anyone listening here is depressed and having have, suicidal thoughts, right. I have, please I have, call your suicide I have, hotline. I have a really good suicide fantasy. You I, do. I feel if you're going to commit suicide, you should do it in the most entertaining way possible. 
So my thinking is this. Entertaining, then you're going to get it on TV. And then you can actually get a career. Commerce. Wait, and, entertainment. and then he'll have a career. The whole season was one episode. Go figure. Here's, this so is a sad. Pitch. Go Van Gogh. Go Van Gogh. So this Van Gogh. is a pitch. Here's how doing. it works. Here's a, well, I, this is mine. I don't want anyone else to use this suicide. Did you copyright it? Well, it's but just us here, right? No one's listening. Continue. with the writer's guild. You drill a pinhole through your your rear windshield. Okay. And run piano wire from your axle to a coiled pile in the back seat and then to a noose. Right. Get up to speed on the freeway with the doors locked. Right. As the 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 uh, rear axle winds up the the, the, yes. the it, it pulls through your neck. Yes. Decapitates you and then you continue off the side of the road as the rest of the wire winds up so there's nothing to be found. Right. So the police find you in your running car with the doors locked, air conditioner going, beheaded. Wow. And then they have a little puzzle to keep them occupied for several days. Yes. And just to my mind, the image of them finding me there is the most magnificent thing I could possibly do. Could we cut to the T-Mobile girl at any point just to kind of get the messaging in about the 4G? I think that would be fine. You know, and the guy shouldn't have been able to get 4G, hence the suicide. Hence the suicide. Now right. we're done. Yeah. Uh, Nicely right. done. It's a gift. I don't know. Where I'm going to be from. a piano player with the wire attached to the car. <laughs> and if there's a piano going down the freeway. Right. But that's like just that. my thing. Or at least piano music. If it's a Absolutely, piano full yeah. of dead donkeys, then it's art. Okay, okay. who here ever seriously thought about killing themselves? Kelly, you go first. Yes. Yes. As a teenager, certainly. Yes. Seriously thought about it. Dark. I mean, no, you never made a plan. There, right. there is there is some steps here that you have to go through. Mm-hmm. But, but did, like, there was so much darkness that it was like, Wow, I don't think I can go on, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But never made a plan. Ne- mm-hmm. Never that kind of a suicide. I- I'm a person who, you know, g- gets in the cave and disappears from the world for a few days, and then reharnesses my inner light and power and and goes forward again. You don't get to the piano wire without a lot of rejected plans say, first. I know. There's, there's a cocktail napkin stack in Dylan's bedside <laughs> right? table. You, Chris, ever? Thought oh, that? it's always just been an amusing notion. <laughs> excellent. excellent. That's good to know. That's good. Excellent. You know, I, I've you know been been low enough to where like I I live in a, a, a um, an art studio now with a skylight, and on some bad days I've looked up at the skylight, w- which has these very thick boards. And thought, man, nah, nah, don't, throw a, rope. don't throw a rope. <laughs> Those aren't weight bearing. Nah, I, mean, what, I, I don't like. I don't even like climbing a rope. Why would I? Nah. <laughs> so then, well, all right, what do I paint next? You know, it's just yeah, move on. Exactly. See, you're able to get past. See, I, 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 I hang on to the anxiety. Oh. Just for, as an infant, I remember looking up at that mobile going, oh, that's coming down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like my Skylab. It's going to hit. It's interesting, though, because suicide is an act of power. It's yeah. a, a, for the mo- for the person who feels it is for the person who is ultimately feeling powerless about everything and feeling most likely victimized by everything. It is uh, because I believe choice is power, and because in choice you'd have a choice. You you either go A or B, C, D, and E. Well, the thing is that most people think choice is A or B, and that actually is not choice. Choice you have to have at least three alternatives, but. In uh, so, so what are A and B just options? Yeah, they are. They are just. They're just. It's just. It's black or white. But the alphabet has forty-seven letters. I thought I just do an Obama from a- the way it's got. It's got no. I mean, you have like 20, at least twenty-six. At, at least twenty-six. At least <laughs> I have to clear that up. But yeah, uh, you know. So I mean, so but so it's interesting. With a su- but a person who's uh, who's suicidal um, doesn't believe they have any choice 
And yet still planning the suicide and doing that, there's choices at each yeah. step of the way. It's like once you make the decision, yeah. then you have to yeah, move forward with those new choices yeah. that lead up to and I've heard having, that, having your goal completed. And I've heard that people who, who have chosen it and not gone through with it, though, there's a sense of um, power with it because they – it's like, oh, the decision's been made. Wow. So like everything's suddenly okay for them. Which There's is two, two movies yeah. that come to mind. The Bridge, which is like the weirdest and like more most, in some is ways most horrific of the documentaries. Golden Gate Bridge. Golden oh. Gate Bridge oh, where they wow. have like a team of people <gasps> filming all year and caught a number of folks wow. jumping off and then mm. talked to the family members. Wow. And, wow. and uh, then the other one is The Vanishing, which was a, a – I want to say it was a Swedish film. Uh, and I believe it was called The Vanishing. I may have it wrong, it but it was remade twice. It was remade twice, right? Yeah. Keeper Sutherland at one point. Um, but the the main character in it had this. I don't know if it's like an Asperger's thing or whatever. But when he had a thought in his head, if that thought appeared, he had to fo- he had to follow it. And, wow. he, and and when he had the thought, he thought fo- that's how he followed. Um, that he used that to take the actions. That he lived out, uh-huh. and one of them was burying someone. You know, like when you go off into the dark land of creative dark world. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He well, if I had the thought that I'm going to have to take out a couple and put some person, <laughs> one of them under the ground, and then you creative know, creative dark world. <laughs> We've all been there, Chad. We've all been there. Hey, man, did your kids call... ever go through a goth uh, phase? Uh, or... Yes, my oldest daughter shopped at a place called Hot Topic. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody know this place? No. Yeah. That's where they. That's where they sell you all the goth stuff. Right. You know? I mean, talk about capitalism. You know, the the, 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 the crazy knee-high boots with the Frankenstein yeah. platforms yeah, yeah. with all the crazy leather stitch-up. Put a zipper in the back for easy access. And getting, you know, <laughs> like commercialized goth. You know, black, all different it's shades of black. Who knew there were shades of black wow. across the country? Oh, really? It's a chain? Oh, yeah. I thought it was just like it's a melt It's a chain. Yeah. And, oh, that's it's horrible. I've got goth some great shirts chain. here. That is so ungoth that it's a chain. You know, I want to get a skull ring, but I'd like a choice between. Oh, dude, I mean. I'd like I mean, to have a choice in my scoring. And expensive, expensive goth crap. Wow. Yeah. And I was Capitalism like, you know, at its finest. Great, you know. Stuff in there, man. What was wrong I'm with lesbianism? Me. I mean, come on. Can I buy my <sighs> steampunk stuff pre-made? It's coming. They got that there. They got that, that there. They ha- it's like I a Spencer's steampunk. gifts for goth. That. For those of you that were born in '60s. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have a metal whoopee cushion then in the steampunk store? You know, fake spiky. Like the Spencer's gifts always had. So, so we're gonna wrap up here. So I want to try to create what? some conclusions here around all of this. And so, Chris, open up your book and, and give us one more little juicy bit of wisdom here. I think this run through has gone very well. I look Don't forward you think to taping so? this. The, the actual yeah. show will be very good. I think all so. Right. Yeah. Oh, Chris well, has got to put his reading glasses on because we're all middle aged here, except 30. Logan and Aaron aren't. Whatever. Hello. Twenty twenty is powerful. Ugh. Wait, you're both twenty. Whatever, and her visit. boobs are perky and everything. <laughs> Shit. Thank you. That's right. He's 20, and we were roommates 17 years ago. It was creepy. <laughs> I mean, I This is my three-year-old roommate, Chris. I want to thank you. Dylan, I want to thank you for weaning me. What's the, what's the, uh, what's the well, conclusion of, one, uh, from the book here? You, the, well, if you would imagine the arrow. You cannot hit two targets with one arrow. Hmm. If your thoughts stray, you miss the enemy's heart. Wow. Mind and arrow must become one. That's what I say. Mind and arrow become, must become one. If you have a goal, then use the tools you have around you to go directly for the goal. 
and go directly to that one because you can't go to two different places. I do not believe that the most efficient route to power in modern society is bow hunting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Hunger Games would teach you something This message brought to you by Ted Nugent. (laughs) And T-Mobile Girl, just to say it again. Mm. So there's something here about compassion as an antidote to power. Uh, something around that. I don't, I'm not Possibly sure. Possibly a source of power. Pa- and absolutely, yeah. I think it's the ultimate source to power. And there is a great movement towards that, it seems. I mean, it's, well, I it's, it's so. floating through the web. and you know, Well, not only that, but I mean, you know, Jesus, 99%. this guy who was around 2,000 years ago, whether he was a historical figure or not, but these teachings, uh, you know, compassion was a very important part of his teachings. Love your brother, man. Someone yeah. should explain that to the people who follow him. You know, I was on the sh- on the show I was okay. on yesterday, The Point, which will be on next Thursday. Uh, there's a woman who wrote a book about the new evangelicals that actually almost a third of the evangelicals are uh, actually voted for Obama and are progressive lefties and believe in the actual teachings of Jesus. But that's a whole other uh, thing. Let's go around and plug our stuff now. And by the way, plug, we found the etymology of it is to electrify something. Ooh. So actually, you're electrifying your career by plugging your next thing. Uh, Dylan, what are you up to? I'll be having our host for this, today's uh, talk, Kelly Carlin, me. as well as uh, Sterling Gardner and Paul Myers on Dylan Brody's Thinking Aloud at the Fake Gallery nice. uh, in Los next Angeles. Saturday uh, in Los Angeles on Melrose. Uh, I have an opening of a play locally in July under the auspices of Jean Marie Simpson called An Honest Ending, mm. uh, two-hander, the, the most producible play ever written. It's uh, one set, two characters, and a sword fight. Uh, and uh, awesome. And then in September in Baltimore, Rain Pryor will be directing the world premiere of my award-winning play, Mother May I. Wow, I didn't know Rain's directing your play. Rain is directing That is so awesome. It will be opening there next season. Wow. Aaron, what are you up to in the future? Well, I'll be carrying around my red carpet. Yes. So check out my uh, YouTube link, youtube.com, hot red carpet. Mm-hmm. Just interviewed a bunch of MLB players. I got coached in wiffle ball by a former Cubs coach. Nice. Cool. Who knew? Cool. So that's going to be posted. And uh, I'm doing some stand-up uh, May 3rd at Room 5. Nice. And then in Denver. Crazy. Denver. Yeah. Wow. Denver. I don't know. Comedy works? I like it. Oh, nice. Comedy works is great. Okay. It's great awesome. And, and Mr. Uh, Bonneman, where are you going to be? Um, I'm going to be in Tempe, Arizona tomorrow, performing two shows at the Improv there, uh, uh, Friday night and Saturday night, and then flying uh, off afterwards to Salt Lake City to perform at Wise Guys in Utah in Salt Lake. Um, also, uh, I've been posting some of the prints from my uh, recent artworks up at chrisbono.com. That's Bono with two N's, one extra N for your pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and There's a lot going and on. And Chad, what's your future hold? Uh, besides puppy shit. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm raising a puppy, a nine week old puppy, so, uh, I'm filing for divorce tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I plan on, uh, skipping mediation and going right to, uh, you know, Statements like, you're just a fucking trust fund woman, and uh, I hate you, you know, in court, in open court. That'll be um, nice. Probably a bench trial, I think. That'll be nice. That'll be good. You know, yes, you look fat in everything. You know, that, those kind of like affirming. Is, is, that, is that to your wife or to the puppy? No, that, that, that was, I'm in the mirror just warming up. That's to me. That was to me. I, and Logan, what, do you have any gigs in the next few weeks? Uh, I'll be at the Comedy Store on Saturday with Taylor and at the M Bar. 
Wow. Wow. That's a a Taylor Negron. And then myself, uh, I'll be at the Santa Monica Playhouse with a Carlin Home Companion next Thursday, April 26th. I'll be in Portland May 13th with a Carlin Home Companion and back into Santa Monica uh, May 24th with a Carlin Home Companion. What are you doing on the 28th, Kelly? And the 28th, I'm going to be on Dylan's show with Sterling Gardner and Paul Myers. And, uh, and, uh, uh, May 6th, uh, Kelly Carlin show with, uh, Chris Hardwick, the Nerdist, cool. will be on nice. Raw Dog Comedy. And, uh, you can find all of us at our prospective, uh, you know, frickin' websites with our names in it. And, uh, you guys have a great weekend. And we're gonna leave here with, uh, the Clutter family singing you, uh, Life the Movie. <laughs> Just like those people